Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the program, everyone. I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti, talking about your Wisconsin Badgers. And it's been a minute, but spring ball is going on. There's a lot of action going on. And I've been there at a good amount of practices this spring. So I'm going to be here breaking down the first three weeks of Badgers spring ball. Talking specifically on the offense today, we'll move over to the defense tomorrow or later this weekend. But before I start, want to give a guy, uh, want to just give a shout out to everyone who's listening and everyone who's been following the site alongside my coverage. Be sure to check out the site for all the latest news and updates, and subscribe to this YouTube channel for more content because that's going to be coming out soon as well uh, as spring ball continues. But for the final week of Badger spring ball, we're talking on the offense. We've got to start with the quarterback position, the most important position here in football, and also the most intriguing position on this team, understanding that the team brought in three new transfers in Tanner Mordecai, Nick Evers, Braden Locke, <clears throat> to already compete with a strong or a room that involves Miles Burkett and also walk on Marshall House. So you've got five different names in this quarterback battle that have really been in it. We'll start with Tanner Mordecai. Mordecai came in, was the projected starter. Longo talked about his experience. That is Phil Longo, of course. He talked about his experience. It's pretty clear that Mordecai will likely start for the Badgers this year. And there have been a lot of positives. Mordecai really had a strong start to spring ball. The first eight or so practices were pretty good. The first one, after a little, you know, shaking off a little bit of rust, really got into a groove. And it's clear why Longo targeted Tanner Mordecai to fill, uh, to fill in this offense in this RPO style Longo wants that ball out quick. He wants you to make take the short throws, take the intermediate throws, get that ball out quick, and keep the offense moving. And that's what Tanner Mordecai is good at. He's good in the intermediate and the short range, getting the ball out quick, making throws in tighter windows. He isn't afraid to let it rip. Now, of course, this offense also changes up things a little bit. It's more so of a one or a two read offense, more so you're trying to get the ball out quick. You're trying to hit your first or second read. And so you can see quarterbacks become fixated on those first or second reads more often, which might not be the best scenario necessarily, but the outcome still works out. You see uh, targets consistently being hit in the shorter term of the field. Now, where does Mordecai kind of need to improve? That's on the deep ball. Mordecai's deep ball accuracy has wavered throughout the course of spring ball. It's not due to the arm strength. His arm strength has surprised me a little bit because he's been he's made some throws where he's been able to deliver downfield and 
on his throws, the inaccurate ones, that is, <clears throat> it's primarily overthrows that Mordecai misses on, and that's a huge part of the game as well. So Tanner Mordecai, to me, short intermediate, has worked well, is a good fit for the system because when you talk about the system fit, he has done a good job in operating, getting the ball out quick, and making the right reads in the short and intermediate part of the field. However, on the deep side of the field, Mordecai tends to eye down receivers at times, but also the processing element is where you look for him to improve. In or sorry, not processing. The accuracy element is where you look for him to improve in the deep portion of the field. But the intriguing part of the battle isn't with the number one spot, even though Tanner Mordecai has definitely been a breath of fresh air in the quarterback room for Wisconsin, probably one of their more uh, competitive quarterback rooms in years. It's really with the backups. Braden Locke has been the number two for the entirety of spring, and he's taken a majority of the number two reps. Now, what has separated Braden Locke from Marshall Howe, Nick Evers, and Miles Burkett, the three, four, and the five? Well, it's his understanding of the offense. Phil Longo made it clear. Knowledge equals reps. For recruiting quarterbacks to come to campus, Longo wants players that have the athletic ability. He wants players with strong arms. He wants players with strong capabilities. That's what Phil Longo wants. But once you come into the building, the expectation changes a lot more. It's not just about what Phil Longo wants in your quarterback room that's going to get you reps. Instead, it's how well do you understand the offense? Longo brought, brought, broke it down pretty clearly. He wants the talented players to come in as the quarterback room. But for those to get reps, you need to have a good understanding of the offense. That's where Braden Locke takes over everybody else. Right now, he has the one of the most, uh, he has one of the best understandings of the offense. And that's a reason why he's been getting number two reps for the entirety of spring ball. And I've got to say, Braden Locke has impressed. Coming in, I assumed Nick Evers was going to be the number two quarterback this spring, just based on the talent that he possessed. But Locke has looked very, very composed in the pocket. He hasn't made many mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes a lot. And he's developed a nice relationship with the number two receivers. Now, you have to understand, the number one defense, that's a pretty damn strong defense. Uh, going up against the top corners on the team in Alexander Smith, Rico Holman, and Jason Maitre, but also the entirety of that defense. The number two defense is a step down. You're talking about freshman corners in Jonas DeClona and Jace Arnold that are primarily taking over. You're talking about, obviously, backup-level players against a pretty strong uh, core of skill position players with C.J. Williams in there, Keontes Lewis sometimes now taking reps with the twos, Skylar Bell in there. And so, you know, it's a it, the disparity in talent, you could probably argue, is there. But Locke has looked pretty good in his command of the offense. He is probably the least athletic of the quarterbacks, maybe Marshall Howe as well. He's not the most athletic, which is why I'm intrigued to see how does that factor into Phil Longo's RPO system, where they're utilizing a good amount of quarterback runs and things like that, where the quarterback is expected to use his athleticism. But Locke possesses sneaky athleticism, solid enough pocket awareness, and he's able to move around in the pocket and make throws on the run. Now, for me, where does Locke need to improve? We haven't seen the too many of the deep ball shots. He's he's taken a good amount. He's taken a couple. I want to see more consistency in that area. And right now, I mean, all I've got to say about Braden Locke is in if if this is how he's looking at it in his red shirt freshman year, when he's actually competing for the starting job next year, once Mordecai ends up likely going to the NFL draft, the Badgers are in a good spot. 
regardless of who it is, the Badgers seem like they're in a good spot <clears throat> with their quarterback room. Locke right now, he, even with Mordecai in the room, Locke is the one who's impressed me the most because uh, because of the where his expectations were coming into the year to where he is now. If he's as intelligent as the coaches say, which has dictated his reps, that's the strong part. Because we can't necessarily dictate that on the field. But his processing has looked good. He doesn't make too many poor decisions. And he's able to make he's, – he's, he's willing to let it rip and able to make throws in tight windows as well, throws on the run. The one knock probably is the athleticism isn't necessarily on par with some of the other quarterbacks on the roster. Now let's talk about number three. And when I talk about number three – I'm not talking about Nick Evers, because right now Nick Evers isn't the number three quarterback on the depth chart. Instead, it's Marshall Howe. A lot of people are surprised about Marshall Howe. He's a walk-on from Avon Farms, I believe, is the the, the prep college or prep high school he went to for his fifth year uh, last year. <clears throat> Comes in as a walk-on. He isn't a starter. He, he I mean, he came in in the summer, so he didn't really see much of the reps in the uh, in, in the fall and really overall throughout the season, it was primarily Miles Burkett as the backup. He beat out Deacon Hill, and then Chase Wolf obviously came back uh, following his injury. But Marshall Howe has impressed Phil Longo with his understanding of the offense. He, he he seems like one of the smarter quarterbacks in the room, able to understand. He grasped the offense pretty uh, quite, quite well initially. That has led to his uh, initial reps, and he's gotten a good amount of the three reps in spring, and he's looked solid. When we talk about talent, how isn't the most talented quarterback on the roster? He doesn't necessarily have the best arm strength. He isn't the most athletic quarterback, but it seems like he's got a good, good grasp of the offense, and that has allowed him to operate. He had a nice play last weekend to Vinny Anthony, uh, connecting with him over the middle. Obviously, with the threes, they also incorporate a good amount of the run game. So, you know, it's four to five reps, maybe five to seven reps throwing-wise that the quarterbacks get in 11-on-11 scrimmage. But still, how right now, he seems in control of the three spot. Now, do I expect that to stay for the entirety of practice uh, in terms of not only spring ball, but the entirety of uh, the entirety of the offseason, fall camp, and all that? No. I do think that Marshall Howe likely gets eclipsed later on as time continues. But to me, I don't think that Marshall Howe is right now. I don't think he's in a bad spot at all. And it's actually pretty impressive understanding a walk-on in his second year is doing what he's doing here in Phil Longo's offense. But let's move on to the fourth to fifth quarterbacks. Let's talk about Nick Evers here. And Nick Evers is an intriguing case because he obviously was behind the eight ball to start. And that's why he's had a slower spring. He, I talked with him last week when we talked to the quarterbacks. We talked to all five quarterbacks, and Evers admitted it. He acknowledged, guess what? I had a slow start with the offense schematically, <clears throat> and that's that's really what's led to his uh, him being behind because Longo dictated how reps are initially distributed is based on your knowledge of what's being repped that day. And then your production goes into how the reps continue to go for the end of the day. Evers right now, schematically with the playbook he seems a little behind his processing also seems a little behind that's where he's behind the eight ball does this mean that is uh, that the door is closed on him absolutely not i wrote an article really about how evers dictated what his process was coming to madison 
He had connections in Madison family-wise. He has a strong relationship with Coach Longo, and they talk consistently. Obviously, has a respect for Coach Fickle, but he acknowledged the problems. And rather than uh, talk about how really uh, they 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 impacted him, he embraced the issues and now is looking to get back and back. And has said that he has compiled a good amount of uh, the last couple of weeks has been pretty strong in terms of his performance, both on and off the field in terms of grasping the offense. That's where Evers is looking to looking to improve. Because when you talk about Evers, it's clear when you look at the talent on the field, it's there. He's got good arm strength. You see that on a couple of deep throws this year. You see that on the velocity that comes out of his throws, the quick release that he possesses, as well as the athleticism. Evers isn't afraid to run uh, down the field, but, Again, Mike Longo said, knowledge is reps. He's got to improve on the knowledge part of the game. The good thing for Evers, though, in his development, he's not expected to try and be the number one quarterback this year. <clears throat> he might not even be expected to, to, to have that role next spring, but he's got this entire year uh, talking about spring, talking about summer workouts, and then to fall camp. He's got that entire period to gain some depth on the quarterback race. And then next year, Obviously, throughout the season, he can work. Then he's got spring ball, and he's got the entirety of next offseason to try and eclipse that number two role uh, or the, even the number one role on the quarterback, uh, obviously, on the quarterback depth chart. His goal is to be a starter here. He's got a good amount of time to do it, understanding that Mordecai is the stopgap guy. He's the guy who's going to try and take Wisconsin to a champ or to a championship or to a playoff this year. And Evers has time. He has time to develop. He's behind, but I wouldn't close the door on him just yet. And then there's Miles Burkett. Burkett, to me, is an intriguing case because he's the guy who was here before, and he's the guy who, when you talk about talent, he has solid athleticism. He has a solid arm. Not necessarily the overwhelming traits that other quarterbacks might have, but Burkett, he came into this camp with a great attitude. He didn't think about transferring at all, instead embraced the competition as, and has been looking uh, to continue to improve. And he got glowing remarks from Phil Longo, talked about how Burkett has always been attentive in meetings. He's uh, he's done what he's supposed to do. It's just other quarterbacks have a better understanding and also the better talent, which is why they're ahead of him on the depth chart. As for his future at Wisconsin, ever uh, Burkett wants to be a starting quarterback here. <clears throat> how realistic that ends up being. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if Burkett is going to be a quarterback that spends his entire career here in Madison, but he's got the right attitude at the moment, and he's providing solid competition as a, uh, as a scholarship quarterback here. Again, remember, the room gets more clouded in future years. The Badgers are bringing in Mabry Meadower, a four-star freshman next year. They have Cole LaCrue as well. They, they've got a good amount of names that are in the quarterback room. I wonder if Burkett looks to take his talents elsewhere later on for a chance to start. Right now, he's trying to do what he's trying to do. It's just it seems right now the room is centralized. Mordecai's the clear one. I don't think Locke gets eclipsed as the two, uh, at least going into the season. And then that battle for the number three spot is still ongoing. Depends likely on who has the best knowledge of the offense come week one. That's likely what's going to dictate it. And right now, how is on the how's got the edge on the other two? But again, a lot can change in such a good amount of time to where that understanding of the offense, not only the offense, but the understanding of the game in general can continue to improve. Let's talk about the running backs. The running backs are in uh, a little bit of a familiar case because 
the Wisconsin Badgers brought back Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi. Not too much to say about them, but what I'll say about the running backs is you've seen both of them be in two running back sets so far. That wasn't really the case too much last year, but you see them both being in two running back sets, and it's not only on running plays. They they both run routes out of the backfield while in the same set. The Badgers are trying to incorporate different concepts offensively. You see Riley Mielakowski out there as a potential tight end, both in line and uh, uh, obviously out in the slot. You also see guys like Jackson Aker, a guy who has transferred uh, transitioned to running back, being there on some of the sets, either as a fullback or as a second running back. You know, there, there are a couple of different sets, and I think the running backs are going to be utilized. The one thing I'll say, every position, skill position-wise, is going to be utilized more. The Badgers and their offensive attack with the way how uh, of how quickly they work and the way they distribute the ball, it seems like a more even distribution. It's not going to be maybe receiver-centric, even though that's the strongest position. It's not going to be tight end-centric or running back-centric. It seems like a good distribution in terms of the passing game uh, to where the ball is going to go. But as for the running back depth chart, it's clear. Allen is one. Malusi is right there at two. Both should get an extensive amount of reps. The real battle starts at three because Isaac Garendo went to the Louisville Cardinals this offseason as a graduate transfer, leaving a hole there. Julius Davis, he was a guy who could have competed there, but Cade Iacomelli has taken over. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Over, and he has emerged as a potential candidate for uh, running back three, as Davis, I believe, was dealing with an injury earlier in this uh, earlier in the offseason. Davis has now requested a transfer, but we've got Cade Iacomelli, and that running back room has a couple of intriguing walk-ons. Grover Bordelotti, number 43, has also showcased some good talent, and he's even gotten reps with the second-team offense ahead of Iacomelli at times, alongside number 44, um, they call him John Riggins. I forget exactly his name off the top of my head. We just know him as number 44, but he's another walk-on and he's been a, he's, he's been possessing uh, some good talent so far and getting the good reps. Those that's the five running backs right now that have made the biggest impact alongside acre, of course, who has been out with an injury for some period of time, but you've got a solid running back group there. I think the Badgers roll with these guys and I, it's going to be intriguing next year because uh, Malusi and Allen likely to be gone. Could Yacomelli be the guy of the future? That could be the case. Could the Badgers look to get a transfer? That could be the case. But they've got an intriguing young room with some talent that is starting to emerge in Yacomelli, Bordelotti, and number 44 uh, there with Wisconsin. <clears throat> Moving on, though, to the most loaded position that the uh, the, wide uh, the Badgers have, it's wide receiver. And 
wide receivers intriguing because wide receivers coach Mike Brown said he wants to have a rotation of at least six guys. He wants to have a strong rotation. It's not going to just be one, two, and three. He wants to have a rotation of six guys that he's able to utilize on game day. And so that kind of leads you to who is going to win the top six spots. Here are the clear emergers, though, thus far. Uh, Chimari DK has continued to be a strong candidate. He has retained his starting spot from last year, despite the incoming competition. He's going to likely be a starter this year. We'll see throughout the entirety of the year what changes, but he's been good. Uh, the the incumbents have all been good. Chimari DK has been the one the entire uh, the entire spring. He's also he's gone in and out with CJ Williams, who has earned some one reps, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But he's primarily been a one. Keontes Lewis and Skylar Bell were both initially ones. Both have now been relegated to the second team offense for reps. Um, Lewis has been replaced by Williams over the past two practices as the starting receiver on the outside. Williams actually took DK's spot. DK moved over to Lewis's spot on the left side. Williams operates on the right side over the last few practices. As for Bell, he was initially taken over by Will Pauling, who's been the strongest receiver thus far in spring ball. He was a guy who initially caught my eye on day one, and it's not even what he does with the ball. The route running, the fluidity in his movements, and also the strength that he plays with despite how uh, what he might seem a smaller player. All of those are intriguing. Reminds me a little bit of a Josh Downs from UNC where Phil Longo had him last year, a guy who could operate, an undersized guy who plays bigger than his size. The question with Pauling that we haven't really seen too much yet is how does he operate in the press? If he operates well under press coverage, well, this guess what? The Badgers have a solid wide receiver there because he's able to do everything, and I don't think he can only be relegated to the slot, even if his size might indicate that at the next level. But Pauling has been a guy at the one uh in, with the ones in the slot <clears throat> bell has still had a couple of very productive days and still figures to be a part of the rotation although right now he seems to be with the twos he's been with the ones on some cases the badgers have incorporated four receiver sets two guys in the slot that's where bell has uh, elevated to the ones where him and pauling have worked in the slot on opposite sides but Talking about the rest of the receivers, C.J. Williams has just continued to impress. He's impressed since he's gotten here. Um, really not too too uh, too many bad days. He might have quiet days where he's not targeted as much, but when he's targeted, it normally comes with a productive day. Has made a, a, a variety of catches. He's a sure-handed sure guy, excuse me, who is able to make contested catches. He's able to win downfield, able to win in the short and an intermediate part of the uh, part of the field and he's able to win against a level of different quarterback cornerbacks so cj williams he's a guy who he, he's fiery he's got a good attitude and um he's a guy who seems to continue to impress will probably be starting at wisconsin sooner than later uh after coming here from usc as a four-star transfer those are the starting group i talked about Keontes lewis and skyler bell so we've got a couple of names here in williams in DK, in Pauling, Lewis, and Skylar Bell. That's five already names that I've talked about that should make an impact in 2023. Another guy, though, that is impressed is Quincy Burroughs, the freshman transfer from Cincinnati. He's a guy who was <clears throat> seen as more of a physical player, a six-two, uh, a six-foot guy, around 200 pounds, uh, six-two, 200 pounds. But he he's operated well, and he's he's also made a, a variety of catches. Uh, had a deep ball earlier this week from Nick Evers, and he's he's been mixing with the second and third team offense 
depending on uh, who, uh, depending on the day. But he's seen two reps, he's seen three reps, and he's done a he's done a fairly good job. He continues to impress against the backup cornerbacks for the Wisconsin Badgers. And the last guy that I'll mention that has played so far is Vinny Anthony. Vinny Anthony has done a good job. I know a lot of people are wondering about Marcus Allen. Really hasn't seen much this camp, despite him returning after initially entering the transfer portal. Uh, has seen time in the slot with the third team, but really uh, a, a pack field behind, obviously, Skylar Bell and Will Pauling. But Vinny Anthony, he's a guy who is, who, who's a track star. Speed was certainly there, and he showcased that speed on several occasions, including a 75-yard touchdown, you know, his biggest highlight play, where he caught it and just really outran the defense over the middle of the field for a touchdown. Anthony is definitely impressed. He could see himself in the rotation depending on how big the rotation is. That's seven guys I just named, including Vinny Anthony. And we haven't even gotten to transfer Bryson Green, who has been recovering, I believe, from surgery. And that has kept him out the entirety of spring ball in terms of team drills. But in individual drills, you've seen Bryson Green. And I've heard nothing but good remarks about Bryson Green from the remainder of his teammates, from coaches, about his attitude and the way that he's approaching the game. Talked to a couple of people today, including Jason Matry, who's roommates with Bryson Green, and he just said he's a dog. He's he's a dog in everything that he does, uh, laid back off the field. But when it comes to on the field, he works hard. And that's another guy who, in my opinion, was the most experienced receiver out of the entire bunch for the Wisconsin Badgers coming out of the transfer uh, room. And he's a guy who could figure out to be another impact player obviously needs to be on the field, needs to get reps with the second team, with the first team to figure out a role. But right now, I mean, I envisioned the projected, or at the beginning of camp, I envisioned the starters uh, projecting to be Pauling after his emergence, DK, and then Bryson Green. But, you know, you've got a lot of guys in that room that are able to compete. CJ Williams is almost deserving of a starting spot. You've got Skylar Bell who stacks up good days. Keontes Lewis proves that he's not just a deep threat. He's able to win short and intermediate with solid route running and solid speed. So you've got a strong room here. It wasn't just like the room was poor last year. It's just the offense didn't fixate on them. But now you've got a good room overall with the wide receivers. This should be the most intriguing competition as to who figures out a bigger role and who essentially transfers out of this room. Because I don't envision all eight of the top guys staying with the Wisconsin Badgers, understanding they could likely get bigger roles elsewhere given the uh, intensity, but also competition in the room. Moving to tight end, tight end has been an interesting position. Another position like running back, where you've got a lot of players that are returning uh, for the Badgers. Not not really many transfers out of the room, other than Jalen Franklin, who went to Michigan State. Not many players coming into the room either. It was just Angel Tombs, the uh, the, the freshman that they brought in, and we'll we'll go top to bottom. Clay Cundiff, he's been out of team drills the entirety of spring after recovering from a torn ACL, I believe. <clears throat> so he was the starter last year, but he's been out. Hayden Rucci was, he's slowly getting himself back into practice, was in team drills the last two or three practices, I believe, working with the second team offense, not the first team, the second team offense. Remember a punishing blocker from last year who has showcased some potential in the receiving room as well, but he's getting himself back. It's been in one of the thinner rooms, but the two guys that, you've got to watch out for as the as the as the number ones right now are Jack Eschenbach and Jack Pugh. Pugh, a younger guy, Eschenbach, a sixth year senior, both have been getting all of the one reps with uh, Tanner Mordecai in the first team offense. They're the guys that <coughs> excuse me, 
have really showcased their potential as uh, pass catchers in this offense. Longo was even seen on film talking to Jack Pugh, uh, saying how his athleticism is already seen out there. He's just got to improve his route tree. But overall, the Badgers, you know, it's a young and improving tight end room for some of the guys. Those two have been out there with the first team offense. With the second team offense before Hayden Rucci's return, JT Seagraves has been seen sometime obviously you expect Rucci and Cundiff to kind of get back in there in the mix and you might have a top four tight end group with Rucci with Cundiff and then obviously the two right now in Eschenbach and Pew. but you've got some young guys that have uh, had uh, made a couple of plays in JTC Graves and then Angel Tombs as well a bigger guy who needs to develop a little more definitely needs some development but he's also there as well so it's an intriguing room. I think it sets up similar to last year, but Phil Longo's offense has normally been seen as an offense that fixates on the roster, uh, on the group that it's been given. It's not the strongest tight end room necessarily, but I do think that they're still going to get a solid amount of action overall. And I think it's going to be a more even distribution, like I said earlier, in terms of the amount of passing uh, uh, given to each of the skill position groups. Moving on to the offensive line, the offensive line has remained very similar to last year, and you can take that as a good or a bad thing because the Badgers' offensive line last year was very injured. They lose Joe Tipman, arguably their best player on the offensive line, a guy who should be a top, probably a top 60 pick in the draft uh, coming up very soon next week. But Joe Tipman, the center gone. They brought in Jake Renfro, a former first-team All-AAC center before an injury last year. Renfro was the starting center to start uh, spring camp. That should indicate how highly the Badgers staff and really Luke Fickle and company envisioned Renfro being in this offense. But Renfro has been out for the majority of spring ball with what was, it's a foot injury. He's been in a boot the entirety of spring ball, which has required the Badgers to test out other options at center. Tanner Bordellini has been the first team center for a good portion of practice. They've also seen Joe Huber play second team center. Dylan Barrett has been at center, but for the majority on the first team, it's been Tanner Bordellini. The first team offensive line has shifted a solid amount. It used to be Renfro in there at center, Bordellini at left guard, Nelson at left tackle. And then on the right side, it was Michael Furtney. And then at right tackle was Riley Mullman. However, following the injury, Bordellini moved to center. Trey Wadig, who was initially the second team right tackle, moved to left guard. And that was the one change. But as of late, over the last three practices, Joe Huber, who has played second team guard and center, moved to left guard from right guard on the second team. And he has been starting at left guard over the last three practices, waiting move back to right tackle with the second team offense. With the first team offensive line, there have been some standouts. There's been a lot of one-on-one action, obviously, with the defensive line. Jack Nelson has done a solid job uh, in the one-on-ones. That's something that I've seen. Tanner Bordellini has done a solid job against defensive tackles, against nose tackles, and uh, defensive ends uh, in the one-on-ones. <coughs> That's another player that I've seen uh, kind of flash out. But really, it's been a, a sporadic amount of time. Uh, the offensive line, it's tough to go, it's really tough to grade them because when there's not pads on, obviously, it's a different level of physicality than you might imagine from the offensive line. The defensive line has an advantage when it's like this. So it's tough to grade without pads on, but you've seen improvements in the run blocking scheme as the Badgers continue to implement uh, their playbook uh, Phil Longo's playbook, of course. So you've seen differences in in the run blocking scheme, a little bit of improvement late uh, as of late. 
Tomorrow's the first time where we're seeing live tackling. I'm assuming pads come on. We're seeing live tackling for the first time tomorrow. So and tomorrow's the launch. So we're going to get a good amount of uh, a good indication of how the Badgers will look. But overall, it's tough to grade the offensive line. But as of the offensive line teams, that's the first team. The second team, Nolan Rucci, the uh, heralded five-star He's there at left tackle. It seems like right now they're trying to pave him to be the replacement for Jack Nelson when Nelson departs for the NFL draft. At left guard, Joe Brunner, the redshirt freshman four-star, another guy who a lot of people think very highly of. He's there at left guard. At center, it's been Joe Huber or Dylan Barrett who have been there. Uh, Huber has spent time between first time uh, first team left guard and then second team center. Uh, Barrett has also been there between second team center and third team center. At right guard, it's been J.P. Benchwell, and then at right tackle, it's been Trey Wedding or Barrett Nelson, depending on how the alignments have gone. 13, Max Rader, a left tackle out of North Dakota State. He's been in the mix. Uh, um, he was a transfer this year, <coughs> one of the later transfers, but he ended up coming to Wisconsin, and he's been the 13 left tackle. Has he, he's been a pretty quiet standout for me. I've liked his uh, performance in one-on-ones, and he's been a pretty solid player overall. We'll see where his development goes, obviously, behind a fairly loaded position at left tackle. At left guard, we've seen guys like Kerry Kodanko there, Dylan Barrett at uh, at center. At right guard, we've seen John Clifford uh, there, and then at right tackle, it's been Barrett Nelson, um, obviously. Uh, with him being bumped to third team with Wadig there at second team right tackle. So offensive line, better indication tomorrow because obviously with pads on. But there have been some positives there. Uh, the first team offensive line, I'll say, has looked a little more stronger, obviously, than the second and third team. Again, pretty it's a pretty strong group overall in terms of disruption with that defensive front seven. So you anticipate – you know, the offensive line having some troubles with the second and third team, but we're going to get more development out of them on Saturday. But guys, it's been a fun 30 minutes talking about the entirety of the offense, giving you guys a breakdown of the first three weeks of Badger spring ball. Be sure to check out Bucky's fifth quarter for all the recent uh, news and the latest updates with Wisconsin football for all the practice reports and all of that. Be sure to check it out because I've been going every day, making sure that you guys get the content you deserve. And stay tuned to the channel. Make sure you subscribe if you're still watching. I really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned, and stay up to date with the latest content. But for now, I'll see you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.